Hello, this is Grant Steinfeld with the IBM Developer Podcast. I'm here today with Luke Schantz, my co-host. Luke recently had a conversation with Jason McGee, IBM Cloud Platform CTO, and Chris Anisik, the CTO and COO of CNCF. Cloud Native is all the rage these days. And Luke, you had some insights, which I thought was really in- inspiring. Yeah, it was fascinating. It was a real privilege, too, to get to spend time with uh, Chris and Jason because they're obviously, you know, at the top of big organizations and they they really have their finger on the pulse of what's going on. And the biggest takeaway I had from, from talking with them and from going to KubeCons in general, because this was, I think, the third KubeCon that I had been to, and I'm really looking forward to the next one in uh, Amsterdam, is that while it seems daunting that it's such a large community and these events are so large and the cloud-native computing landscape is so large, actually, it, it is more accessible when you start to dig in because there's lots of sub-communities in there. There's folks who are working on service meshes. There's folks worried about security. There's folks worried about containers. So as you just follow your interests and kind of dig into that uh, sub-community, it, it's more accessible than you think. And we talked a lot about that, like how do you get involved and, and how do you approach it? Yeah, this whole community thing and the diversification is really amazing. So without further ado, let's let's hop straight in. So maybe we could start with just a brief introduction for our listeners, you know, name, roles, and uh, just a, a brief intro of, you know, who you are and in, in the context of today. So I'm uh, Jason McGee. Uh, I'm the CTO for Cloud Platform at IBM. So I kind of run all things PaaS in IBM's public cloud. Chris Anisik, I'm the CTO and COO of the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. Uh, basically helped start the organization about four years ago and have been working in open source for 20 plus years, even at IBM, Red Hat, uh, Twitter, and other companies out there. <laughs> oh, wow. You're an ex-IBMer as well? Yeah. Uh, and an ex-Red Hatter, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> Double. You, you've got quite the, the view. You know. <laughs> Everyone's an ex-IBMer at some point. Exactly. So maybe just to kick off the conversation, what's what are some of the the hot topics that are, are on your agendas? Like what what should we know about our listeners? Like, I mean, you look at the cloud native computing foundation landscape, and it is it's daunting. Oh, but yeah. what, what where should we be focused on? What what help guide us? <laughs> I mean, from my perspective, it's just uh, this is a very unique event where you know getting. 12,000 people to show up for an open source uh, event where you have all the major clouds and kind of innovative startups is just very unique in industry. So just today at day zero, we have something like 30 plus co-located events that are just like spanning different kind of hot topics in cloud native areas. So there's like, we have our security, you know, cloud native security day, uh, you have the storage folks, uh, there's some serverless stuff going on with the practitioner summit. So, you know, it, I think it's basically what's happening is like things have grown so much where people are kind of like focusing and locating in like specific interest interest areas and that kind of actually maps to how kubernetes itself works right kubernetes has these things called special interest groups which like focus on specific topic areas and that's kind of what i think we're seeing happening as this community has grown so much to scale sometimes you have to break apart into smaller specific more 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 focus areas so i'm seeing a lot of emphasis on security related work lots of interest in serverless service mesh interests also so that's kind of kind of hot topics i've seen from from my perspective yeah, I mean, I, I would also say, like, you and I have been doing this for five yeah. years or more. And and so sometimes we forget that, like, most of the people here are just getting started, you know, on their journey. They're yeah. just figuring Kubernetes out. They're just figuring out the, the ecosystem of projects that surround this space. And so um, for me, I think first and foremost, it's just, like, helping people figure out, like, how are they successful with these platforms? Because I think we're in this really enviable spot where... 
you know, I remember being at KubeCon in Seattle, the first one, the one that was like in the hallway at the Sheraton yeah, or whatever. Yeah. In one hotel. <laughs> in one hotel. And, uh, you know, here we are now and it's just like, these are not theoretical technologies, like they're deployed at scale and lots of companies. And so there's just like some great learnings to be done. So that's one is just like helping people kind of get going on their journey. I think for me, the other area is like, there's a whole bunch of interesting work going on on, on kind of making it Kubernetes more consumable uh, for developers, whether it's the serverless and mesh stuff, whether it's um, continuous delivery tools, um, you know, things that surround that space. Like, I think there's a bunch of work for us all to do to kind of continue to bring the platform together and make it easier for developers to consume and build apps on top of Kubernetes as a platform. Yeah, yeah, to Jason's point on just like how new this stuff is for some people at the last KubeCon out, out in Europe and Barcelona, when we asked the audience, like who, you know, who hears, you know, here, who's here for your first KubeCon? More than half of the people raised their hand, which was like pretty incredible for some of us who have been here forever. And we're going to ask the same question again, uh, here today. And, and, and we'll see, we'll see, we'll probably get similar results. I think, right. you know, there is a lot of production usage, but this is still very new for, for a lot of folks out there that are kind of retooling their, uh, their careers. That is interesting. And it, it's funny, uh, especially hosting this podcast. I feel like sometimes I'm surfing on the bleeding edge all the time, right. but in reality, it is for these, um, technologies to be implemented at scale and used. I mean, even cloud, they say, is we're really only like a 20% for the enterprise right. yep. on our journey. And there's so much to be done, even though it, it can seem old hat because, oh, we heard about this, you know, three months ago. And it's, there's still years and years of implementation and maturity absolutely. to come. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So maybe we could talk a little bit about, uh, from a developer's perspective, what is, what does it mean for, like, how is the sausage made in, in the open source world? For instance, here we are, you know, cloud native computing foundation, yeah. IBM, like, how do we work together? How, how is this happening? So, I mean, you know, CNCF, we act as kind of the neutral broker and host for all of these. Uh, we have a little over 40 projects now. It's not only Kubernetes, right? We have projects in the service mesh space, storage, even serverless. And they generally all kind of break apart into their own little independent projects. And uh, companies that join the CNCF basically uh, fund the organization to put on amazing events like this. Uh, we also fund security audits for our projects. We pay for infrastructure costs. We pay for diversity uh, scholarships. We and so, you, you know, the, our kind of motto here and then kind of way we think about things is, you know, uh, CNCF hosts projects. Um, the members of the organizations build amazing products on top and, and monetize into profits. And so you have this projects, products, profits, life cycle that kind of funds the whole the whole ecosystem. That's yeah. kind of how we, you know, how we think about things and kind of want to continue to build things out. Yeah, it's interesting too. Like this is such a big, on one hand, it feels like such a big place, but like the actual community, like working on the projects is not nearly as big as you think. Like, and there's a lot of great relationships and a lot of new projects have spawned from, you know, hallway meetings and bar conversations yeah. with people at events like this, um, where we've gotten together and talked about the next thing that we're trying to solve or, Hey, we were doing this thing on Kubernetes and it was really hard to do delivery. Here's how we solved our problem. And those things turn into new projects and new communities of people who end up working together. And that's why I think, um, maybe CNCF, the first foundation that I ever had to create like an interactive, like diagram landscape all stuff yeah. that's going on. Like it's like kind of ridiculous, but like, yeah. that's why I think that vibrancy is there. 
Yeah, no, the the landscape, or you know, uh, sometimes people jovially call it the the hellscape. But you know, it, you know, in reality, like it it is complicated. There is a lot of options out there. You know, I think we're we're blessed with riches of open source projects. You know, out there, and so I think it's the role of member companies and CNCF like IBM to kind of stitch these things together into products. And and there is a difference mm-hmm. between project and product. We kind of have to always explain people projects. Kind of, you know, they're they're free. You could do whatever you want them. But if you're looking for a more serious relationship, this is what a product is is for. And that's the role of our, our right. members. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, we have, uh, you know, the, the attendee breakdown is interesting because it's about, you know, 12,000 people, 40% come from kind of like a, let's call it more like operational, you know, perspective, uh, another 40% more like, let's call them app dev. And the other 20% are a mix of, you know, executive and all this random, random other, uh, random other stuff. So it is kind of a, an interesting uh, crowd that we have here. Well, and it's amazing what we're seeing with, uh, the, the idea of Kubernetes orchestration and, and CNCF is it has brought what was this sort of isolated operations yeah. into the development world. Yeah. And, and now everybody started having to, to empathize and understand with, you know, yeah. more than just their, their isolated perspectives. Yeah. I don't think there's any conference I know of where it's like half developers and half yeah. ops people. Yeah. Like it's in literally, the same event. yeah. No, like, and we were like, you know, we do these conference transparency reports every time where we kind of like distill like who attended, you know, how happy people are. And we were just like kind of shocked to see that it was such an even split because it, we, we initially assumed there would be a lot more operational people, mm-hmm. folks here. Cause you know, Kubernetes kind of plays in that crowd, but there is a lot of, you know, app, app dev focus uh, folks here too. So it's quite interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, look, if I look at my own team, I mean, um, obviously my team runs a Kubernetes public cloud service, but we built our service on Kubernetes. So as a, as a development operations team, we have the same kind of experience that everyone else does. Right. And, and how do you, um, leverage Kubernetes as a platform to build things? And it's been really interesting to see how much Kubernetes, while it feels more ops slanted, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Like it, it's kind of modern infrastructure. It completely changes the architecture of how you design applications at the same time. And to watch kind of teams go through that transformation is always really interesting. And they realize like, oh, I don't have to do that anymore. Or I can solve this problem in this other way because Kubernetes takes care of it for me. Yeah. And I think that's part of the journey that a lot of people like wind up having to go through as they get into this space is really kind of deeply understanding how it's going to change how they architect their own applications. Yeah, and that's definitely a trend I'm seeing where, you know, we're still early days where if you actually go look, there's a lot of, let's say, traditional either storage solutions, things like MySQL that, you know, people are trying to graft now to run properly on Kubernetes, which essentially is a dynamic system. These tools were built in an, you know, era where like, you know, you, you statically partition out data centers, you assumed IPs, you know, are a thing, right? And so a lot of these tools now are coming and either being regrafted to work in a Kubernetes or cloud native context, or people are creating a uh, new, you know, storage or CD, you know, CI tools from scratch on, on top of Kubernetes because right. they don't have to deal with that. Uh, like seeing, we're, we're still early. We're seeing more and more of these things uh, written. And I'm sure you've seen stuff yeah. at, at IBM because yeah. you have a mix of new and, and old related stuff all around. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, um, continuous delivery is yeah. an interesting space. Like we, we open source this project called Rad which came out of our own operational experience and like we started our journey like many people like we built a jenkins pipeline that like built Mm -hmm. all of our microservices and pushed them into production and that worked great when we started because we had like a dev environment a test environment a couple prod environments and then like one day we woke up and we were running in 35 data centers and we had like 15,000 clusters and like there was no way that that jenkins pipeline was going to work and so we had to completely rethink how we do delivery and get to something that was kind of more rules-based, more pull-oriented, scaled better. 
But then we turn around and open source that. And I think that's kind of the ethos of working in this community is like, well, hey, if I ran into this problem, somebody else is probably going to run into this problem too. And how can I make it better? And so you get that kind of build effect on top of each other. Yeah. We're like golden era of open source where companies are willing to go share and open source things more so than, 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 than ever. Right. And eventually what usually happens is sometimes these solutions will coalesce into like maybe a spec or a standard or like they'll combine uh, into one, one project. So we've definitely seen some interesting trends in CNCF where we had this kind of uh, telemetry distributed tracing kind of battle between different options and eventually they decided to merge you know something called uh, open tracing with another project from Google into a combined thing called open telemetry so like over time the CNCF kind of helps facilitate these types of um, relationships and, and collaborations yeah. in my opinion well and for some of our listeners who maybe aren't uh, quite as familiar in general what the cloud native computing foundation has done is is created all these categories which would be part of a, a schema of, of that is both your your the topology of your 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 structure and now also your application but there's lots of options within each of these so and one of the things i wanted to bring up was uh, the open container initiative mm-hmm. and this idea of even wh- what are you, what you're even orchestrating can vary like what but there's also an agreement on what a container is yeah. uh, uh, that yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm f- like, you know, CNCF and, o- and the Open Containers and OCI for short were started exactly at the same time. I both, both started, started those organizations at, at the same time. And one was done to the, you know, OCI was basically formed to deal with the issue of we did not want competing container uh, runtimes or standards that would basically result in people having to like rewrite or repackage their application. Right. It was just going to, stop all the momentum um, there. And so we formed that with, it, it was actually unique where OCI had all the cloud providers on board from day one, right? Mm-hmm. Which CNCF to not, you know, Amazon and others were, were not there from day one. But for OCI, the whole industry agreed that this is such a critical thing that we need a standard for how containers are run, packaged. And even now OCI is, if they're focusing on the distribution problem, having a standard way to distribute them also. So to me, it's a great initiative. It kind of flies much under the radar of CNCF because, you know, CNCF Kubernetes is a more popular thing but standard spec work is very important and like oci underpins like everything now quietly quietly behind the scenes as it should in my opinion yeah and i do think it's been interesting to watch cncf evolve from those first days where we were kind of trying to figure out how to operationalize it but it does have this nice characteristic where you know it's not explicitly picking winners right like there's different competing projects in different spaces and sometimes they coalesced out like container orchestration coalesced into kubernetes and it seems super obvious right now but in like 2016 it wasn't obvious that kubernetes was gonna win and there's other spaces around service meshes as an example where there's you know three or four kind of competing projects who are like you know, trying to find their way. And so I like that part of the process, right? But it's also really hard for customers, which I think is something we forget sometimes. And and some of the reason why I think half the attendees are new and people are just getting started is because in the early days, the early days, like three years ago or something, um, it wasn't clear what the answers were going to be. And so a lot of clients just waited. You know, they're just like, they either made an early decision, like I picked Mesos or Docker, yeah. and like now I have to go pivot to Kube, Or they just waited to kind of let things settle out a little bit and therefore it kind of stalled their progression. So there's always that tension, I think, between wanting to have a bunch of options and figure out who's the best. And it doesn't always cost to one. Maybe it's more than one. And then clients having enough assurity that like whatever they're going to bet their business on is going to be there and be vibrant and move forward. Right. And we have to kind of manage that tension. 
Yeah, it's difficult. You never know like whether things will coalesce to like one dominant solution or you have something like a spec or standard that there's multiple competing type options, right? Like with containers, there's kind of different runtimes like container, container D and Creo. So you kind of have this kind of more of like competitive ecosystem uh, where Kubernetes container orchestration is all basically coalesce to, uh, to, to Kubernetes. So you never know kind of how things, how That's things play out. out. Yeah. Well, and. To let our listeners know, it, it really is it's an emergent and participatory process, right? Yeah. Where And this is why if companies are using open source, they should participate because you need to have a seat at the table and have your interests represented. Because if you have some use case and you're not speaking up, that project could take a left turn that doesn't represent your interests. Yeah, absolutely. We, what's unique about CNCF when we started it, we always wanted to make sure there was end user representation. So we actually have a notion of end user membership where they actually get a seat on what is essentially is our technical board. So they get influenced on like which projects the organization accepts, how the organization runs and so on. So it's kind of very different where, you know, maybe traditional open source, you know, foundations, organizations were more, let's say vendor heavy. We actually, give them a voice. And actually, if you go to the KubeCon Expo floor, we have about uh, 20 of those booths will be from companies like, you know, uh, Apple, Fidelity, WeWork, et cetera. These companies are actually building on top of these technologies and, and you know, trying to have a presence and voice within the community, which I think is, which is very new. I've, I've never seen it done uh, like this anywhere else. You had mentioned the security audit and how usually these sorts of things happen more on products but in this case it actually happened on the project and you have this participation between open source and and vend, you know industry yeah. participants like like IBM yeah. so could we dig into that yeah so uh you know one unique thing CNCF does is we fund security audits for for our projects right traditionally security audits are more you know handled by uh Usually it's a, it's a product related thing. Companies right. fund it because they need to fulfill some you know, regulatory type things. But, you know, with CNCF, we've been lucky to a have a very security, you know, focused mindset and community and, and kind of the funding based on our members to explore this. And so the Kubernetes community, they started this effort late last year, but it didn't really crystallize it early this year, but they did a full blown open RFP. They formed a working group called the security audit working group in the Kubernetes took you know, you know, RPs from a variety of companies eventually voted amongst the community to pick which, you know, uh, vendor. It actually was two vendors that they chose with. And then, you know, we open source and shared the whole security audit results after it was done. Like, and it did find issues. It was addressed and fixed by the community. It actually, to me, you know, it was interesting because the press at the time was like, oh, you know, all these like security issues found with Kubernetes, right? And not, it's not stable and hard. But I'm like, whoa, whoa, step back a little bit. Like the community, you know, went in and fixed all these things, wrote it up, shared it, was transparent about it. To me, that builds a lot more confidence yeah. than, you know, something that may be hidden in like a product or something. They shared everything, right? And uh, I just found the experience uh, amazing. And we are going to do it again uh, next year. Uh, at a similar the whole level. community benefited from that. It wasn't like I did a security audit as part of my service and <laughs> fixed it in my kind of upstream build. <laughs> like it's in the core code that everyone yeah, gets almost, advantage from. Almost every Kubernetes-based uh, company out there probably is doing their own security mm -hmm. audit, you know, finding their favorite pen test vendor. So, but like this was a fully community funded thing. And most of the time they don't, they don't actually open source or share those results where here we shared everything. A we open source a threat model for Kubernetes. So it's very kind of a unique uh, experience and something like I'm proud as an organization that CNCF is able to fund and, and, and support. Yeah. And I think that's an incredibly 
important characteristic of people's journey on Kubernetes, solving the security problems. A lot of what I do at my team is like operationalizing Kubernetes, right? And so being able to have that kind of basis just in the open source community provides this great foundation that then when we turn that into a service and operationalize it and run it for clients, like that security is built in and I can layer the process and compliance and other things on top that clients need to really use this stuff. Which it's interesting too, especially in a multi-cloud world, right? Where it, it does behoove you to give back to the project because right. security is everybody's problem. And yeah, yeah, you want you want your clients to be secure, you know, no matter what, what right. part of the cloud they're touching. Absolutely. Um, we're down to our last few minutes and I know you have to run. Is there anything we didn't talk about that we should have or any pressing questions you have for each other? Any calls to actions? Where can we find you on Twitter? What, what, what should you we do? You always find, you know, I'm on Twitter, CRA. I worked at Twitter, so I go on those short handles, which is great sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it's also conflicts with the Canadian Revenue Agency, which is like the Canadian IRS, which is not great. Uh, but you could find me at CRA. You must get on some Twitter. interesting tweets, though. Yeah, no, I always <laughs> reply. I'm like, hey, Canadians, please pay your taxes for weekly annual reminder. Chris is like, you're under audit, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, you can reach me on Twitter as well, JR McGee. That's always an easy way to, to uh, interact. Well, I thank you uh, both for being on the podcast today. It's been great. I would love to have you back when we have more time. And I actually, I, we, I have more questions. KubeCon Amsterdam, maybe next year in late March would yeah. be great. It's actually coming up much faster than you think. So uh, for us, like I'm a little bit panicking because we have this huge event this, uh, <laughs> you know, this week. But, you know, we have the holidays and then late March. It's KubeCon Amsterdam here. again. That's right. I'm there. Let's do it. Let's do awesome. It. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you found this episode interesting. Please subscribe to the IBM Developer Podcast on the platform of your choice. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. And of course, please share with your friends or colleagues who might find this interesting as well. You can find me, Grant, at G. Steinfeld on Twitter, and my co-host, Luke Schantz, at Luke Schantz. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.